tonight. Come on! From the creators of the Star Wars saga. A bold adventure of courage and daring. <laughs> Where heroes become legends. And the only thing you can be sure of is magic. Lucasfilm presents The Ewok Adventure next. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rambling Star Wars fan. This is Ken Bishop, your host. And today, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm not just going to be all by myself rambling at, at, for who knows how long talking about who knows what. Today, I'm joined by my friend Jordan, who was kind enough not too long ago to interview me on his show, The Pod Awakens. So I'm going to turn the microphone over to Jordan, let him introduce himself to all of you. Yeah, my name is Jordan. I have uh, a, a Star Wars podcast called The Pod Awakens. I also have many other podcasts. My wife would probably say too many podcasts. Uh, about various other topics, uh, but I've been a Star Wars fan, you know, most of my life, and uh, I I've been podcasting in some capacity since 2017, so it it's something I really enjoy doing, and, you know, in 2019, I launched The Pod Awakens with some friends, and uh, they all didn't stick around to, to be doing it weekly, and, you know, it kind of became a show I do here and there, but I, I think in this year, my you know, mandate has kind of been to do more episodes and we've been doing that. So I've been very blessed. Oh, that's awesome. And so you said you're, you've been a fan of Star Wars your whole life. What is it about Star Wars that you feel so connected to? Oh, that's a good question. I think. I think, well, as a kid, it was it was cool, right? Laser swords and blasters and aliens. Uh, but. I think as I continue to get older and stuff, it's just the themes and the mythology that keep bringing me kind of back to it, you know, um, stuff like the hero's journey that is so prevalent in, in this. And when you can kind of see that broken down in other mediums as well, but, you know, uh, I think George really perfected it in the original trilogy. And then growing up, I was a big fan of seeing the prequels and like, what I call the uh, one era that I really enjoy is like the pre Phantom Menace era. You know, um, there was these kid books when I was a kid called the Jedi Apprentice series, and there's like 18 of them. And it's about Qui-Gon training Obi-Wan right before Phantom Menace and stuff. And like just that whole era of everything is in its heyday and then kind of seeing how it can kind of go wrong, um, almost like cautionary tales. So I don't know. There's just something that really speaks to me about that kind of stuff and the world building that is, you know, the fact that I could, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. In in my like fifth grade class, we had a class that was called, uh, what was it? Like it, it was some computer learning class and you go in there, you'd sometimes play these games that are like, I forget what the games were called, but you'd be playing like this, like space game and it'd be like learning, you know, teaching you stuff. Well, after we would get done lessons and all that, I had free time on the computer. So I would go to the, you know, approved sites. And one of those was StarWars.com. So going on there and just reading the data bank or at that time, Attack of the Clones was filming. And you know how they would have like behind the scenes stuff where you could watch like Attack of the Clones being filmed at times or like George was very open about how he made the product back then, you know, and you would get behind the scenes shots of the blue screens and oh this is what Ewan McGregor is going to look like in this movie so uh, it was something that like I could really dive into at school as well and like the world building grabbed me it's like okay if I'm going to spend hours online I can go to the data bank on starwars.com and learn this little nugget of information that'll make me sound smarter than my other Star Wars loving friends you know I could be like actually <laughs> in you know, 32 years before a uh, battle before Yavin, you know, this thing happened and I would be able to kind of throw that out there. But uh, that kind of stuff is, is something that helped me. I, I probably remember that more than like my actual history, which is terrible because I'm a history major. But <laughs> well, we're not here to judge. I mean, that's that's not the not the role of the show, even though we probably, you know, 
you know, your wife did tell me that this is not a not an interview. This is more of an intervention for you. We got to you know, <laughs> get your number of podcasts down and, and your, your fandom under control. <laughs> um, so it's interesting you bring up the, the novels because you and I both know that there's much more to Star Wars than what we see on the movie screens or even nowadays on our television screens. Um, were there other parts of Star Wars that you jumped into beyond the data bank that you got on the internet and, and, and the books? Did you play any of the video games or read any of the comics? Yeah, I used to play the video games like all the time. Uh, my, you know, I didn't have an Xbox, so I actually couldn't play Knights of the Old Republic until I got like an Xbox 360. And then I had to like find a cheap copy of the game and, you know, backwards compatible and all that stuff. But like, so while that's like my favorite Star Wars game now, in the past, it would be like, oh, I'd be playing the episode one game on PS1, or I'd be playing uh, Jedi Power Battles, which was another game uh, around episode one time. And Mace Windu's got his, you know, blue lightsaber because I didn't know he was going to have purple right around the time of Phantom Menace. And played the, and like Battlefront was huge at that time, especially Battlefront really like original battlefront 2 was a lot of fun especially my, my favorite mode was always the um capture the flag you know where you go and get the command post and you watch it turn from like the empire command post to your republic command post or whatever uh those were like really big games that would just spend hours kind of playing and and then of course like lego star wars came out like mid high school for me so that was that was really you know, um, a game I would kind of go back to all the time as well. And so we've got video games, we've got novels, we've got the Star Wars data bank. And you mentioned a little bit ago that you you do Star Wars podcasting. Um, is there any other ways in which your fandom shows up? I mean, the listeners on this show know that, um, you know, I'm a reader of the comics, I'm a reader of the novels, like playing the video games, and I also build costumes. Um, so I was wondering if 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 you got into any of the the, the cosplay or the prop making or even the collecting, because I have a I have a, a a mild problem with picking up things from stores that happen to have Star Wars on it, whether it's you know fruit roll ups or the <laughs> the, the latest Bad Batch figure. Uh, I don't have quite the collection you have back there. Um, I collect like Funkos. Uh, I collect Black Series when I can afford them. You know. Um, like I, I went out during like one of the best memories I have of recent times was when they did the Force Friday releases um, right before like Force Awakens. And then they did it again, you know, right before Rise of Skywalker and they included like um, Mandalorian stuff in there. So I actually I was I got one of the last Mandalorian figures in my area when I went to a Walmart for like whatever time they dropped it, like midnight or whatever. And then uh so, so that's like what i collect otherwise i don't really have like many other avenues like I, i've never gotten into like cosplaying um or anything like my idea of cosplaying because i'm not one to really dress up a lot so i i'll dress up as like really simple characters like and my halloween costume ideas is marty mcfly right because <laughs> it's, it's simple i found his whole costume i've got it uh, so a puffer vest and a hat. <laughs> yeah, I got well, I got the puffer vest. I've got the flannel, like like the jean jacket that he puts over top underneath of the uh, puff jacket. I got like the best match of like a t-shirt that's maroon I could find. I got suspenders. I got jeans. Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then my other concept is uh, <laughs> Clark Kent. You know, because it's like a suit, and then I was just gonna have a Superman shirt on underneath. You know, something I can be <laughs> casual in and not like over the top with. I can't like I can't imagine like putting so much stuff on me. Um, well, it's a commitment. That's for sure. Walking around, <laughs> walking around for 20 minutes or six hours in a in a suit yeah. of custom Mandalorian armor. That's that, that's a that's involvement. It looks cool. And I'm jealous when I see people post that stuff from like celebration and all that. But I'm like, I don't think I could do that. I think I would start sweating or start getting really uncomfortable <laughs> well now you could dress as a, one of the narkina five prisoners and heck heck it's, <laughs> it's it's only two pieces of clothes a shirt and a pair of pants and you don't even have to wear shoes right there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh but no i think that's like the most extent is probably my funko figures or 
the black series figures i wish i had like i don't have a huge space to even display any of this stuff but you know i did read some of the comics i've been reading that on um mostly the marvel infinity app and then i uh or the marvel um yeah is that what it's called uh anyway uh the the marvel app that you can read comics and then uh i also have some that i've bought you know if i can find a good deal trying not to like purchase every trade paperback at this point um but yeah like i said before the novels i've still kind of kept up with that kind of stuff i'm actually really big right now into the high republic i've been listening to the audiobooks which are amazing by the way if nobody is read it listening to the audiobooks i i tell you to listen to the audiobooks because it is i'll t- i'll listen to them on my walk like i take an hour walk every day pretty much and uh can get done a couple chapters and mark thompson does most of them and he his voice is great he does a great yoda impersonation too and then they add all these like music and they add like sound effects of like the doors closing and just makes it feel like Star Wars. Um, like there'll be a time where something happens and the force theme kicks in and I get chills because I'm like, this is like I'm listening almost to like an audio play, you know, of it. And and Mark Thompson has so many good voices for all the characters, especially in the High Republic. Um, so I've I've been doing that a lot. And um one I listened to recently was actually the um from a certain point of view. The book about like that they came out for the 40th of a new hope and each little chapter is a short story from a different perspective of characters from a new hope and one of them actually moved me to tears and this was um (laughs) they followed r5 uh, as he is getting bought by um uncle owen and then how he like blows his you know uh his motivator and then they pick r2 and it is such a good short story in there uh, where R2 is like communicating and like begging for him to let him go instead so he can save the world pretty much. And it is just, man, it was awesome. So uh, the audiobooks have been really awesome for me, like who hasn't had a lot of time to sit and read to be able to like get up on the go and listen to that. And uh, it feels like you're listening to audio play. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I just recently finished uh, Shadows of the Sith. And similarly, you know, it is like that audio drama. They add music, they add the sound effects. And and so it's not just, you know, a singular voice reading through everything. And I can't remember. Did you like it? Oh, my goodness. uh, Yeah. I I, I didn't listen to that one, but I did read that one. And I remember I talked about it when I had you on. And I said it was like one of my favorite books because it added so much depth into the buildup of Rise of Skywalker for me. Well, you're the reason I you're you're the reason I, I ended oh, okay, up getting good. the audio book. I, I, I didn't want to like think <laughs> yeah. I was, but yeah, yeah you you absolutely inspired me to get that one, and I just uh, just downloaded today. I haven't started it yet. Uh, Rise of the Red Blades. Oh, know, okay, yeah, so I've I'm, seen I'm, that. I haven't listened to that yet. Yeah, I'm taking full advantage of my my audio my Audible uh, membership. Not that they're a sponsor of this 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 show or yeah. anything, but <laughs> you know, I'm not that fancy. Um, but yeah, I've been listening to those, and they are wonderful. Now, going back to the the from a certain point of view, there's for the the three that have been released, they've been mm-hmm. released for the 40th anniversary. So there's 40 stories. So are each of the stories with different narrators, or is it the same narrator just using different voices? Different narrators for each story. Oh, that makes it even cooler. Okay. Yeah, it is. And, and sometimes you'll be like, there was one time I was zoning out on one of them because it just wasn't grabbing me. But <laughs> the the R5 one really grabbed me. And then there's actually one from like, um, uh, who was it? An- uh, Wedge Antilles' uh, point of view as well. Or Captain Antilles' point of view, not Wedge's point of view. Um, And it's cool too because it's going like, I didn't know this when I was because i've bought the books i never actually read them yet but uh that they go in sequential order so it starts off with right after rogue one on the new hope one uh and the ship had gotten away and all that stuff so it starts there and then um the next scene picks up with like the the stormtroopers that stun or you know try to stun princess leia when she's loading r2 up and then the next scene is like 
a Jawa after R2 landed, right? And then the next scene is the R5, and then the next scene is a Tusken Raider or whatever. And it just like keeps going like that. And it's really cool. Um, what it, yeah. It, it, it sounds like that there's different spokes that come off that main, that main movie. Um, yeah. And are some of those stories then, can you see the connection between that story and then something that happens in the next movie or even beyond that, something that may happen in one of the shows? Ooh. So far, so far I haven't. Okay. Uh, the closest would have been the first one when they are picking up right from Rogue One because they mentioned Scarif and they mentioned all that kind of stuff. So it makes it feel even more connected okay. than it already did. Uh, but one thing that I've learned is I read a snippet from the return of the Jedi one. They okay. put this out there and it stars Dexter Jester Dexter Jester from the <laughs> attack of the clones. And it's like about how he like lost his diner. And he's, it, it, this is, a, I think it's one of the last ones because it takes place after Palpatine lost. And he, it's like the celebrations of Coruscant and Dex is there and how he kind of, you know, has lost his diner and he's kind of lost so many things. And he thinks back to Obi-Wan and bringing the Camino dart and how he kind of Dex kind of realizes he kind of kicked a lot of this in motion. And he kind of feels bad about that. And just kind of like that small snippet was really cool to think about that. I never thought they were going to revisit Dex before. So, you know, <laughs> the things they can do when they, you know, do these fun little stories like this. Yeah, so on the on the Inflatable Falcon, one of those other shows that I'm I'm involved with. So we get together Wednesday nights. It's it's myself, John Scalise from the Beskar Bucket, and Mike Hinton from uh, Star Wars Family and Star Wars Geek Girls. Um, we get together, and we were talking the other night about how we would love them to keep doing these these stories from a certain point of view. However, at least this is what I said. I don't want them to wait until the next set of movies is 40 years old. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. There's no way because that's uh, I mean, we're almost a 30 for maybe they do it for 2029. Right. That'd be 30 years from Phantom. Yeah. And I would be cool with that. Yeah. yeah. Because then, I, you know, hopefully I'm still around to read it. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. You, know, and you don't want to wait too long. Yeah. Like 40 <laughs> years from, you know, Rise yeah. of Skywalker. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll need everything on audio because my eyesight will probably be so bad. I can't read the words either that or have it in, in such big font that it's really like a poster book. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I would love for them to, 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 to continue that idea of these, these stories from a certain point of view, especially considering how many characters there are in the star Wars galaxy that have these just moments on screen that the makers were kind enough to give you know, give names to, to give races to, to give home planets to, and all of these, these, these wild stories in between that are possible. And now with Disney Plus, they could even go one step further and maybe do um, kind of like these what ifs. So maybe do a, a, a 10 minute short on, on this character you know, you know, Senator, you know, Papanoidia or something like that on his on his way to the opera or or whatever. Give us the uh, the E.T. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the E.T. senators that are in yeah. the Senate. Yeah. Did they, were they the ones that were responsible for that, for that, that trip to <laughs> Earth to look for plants and stuff? Or they? Yes, they, exactly. They, <laughs> and if they could figure out how to make that connection to the, the ride on Universal Studios in, in Florida, that'd be even more exciting. <laughs> that'd be great. You know, and so so when we got together the, for the first time, we were talking about the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, and I, it was 1983 when that that movie came out. I was eight years old, and one of the things that I absolutely positively loved about that movie as a kid um, were the Ewoks. I thought they were cute, cuddly teddy bears. Not realizing, not thinking at the time, but these are also, you know, mischievous, violent murderous um, murderous space bears <laughs> um and i still adored them you know i had the 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 one of the few play sets i had actually the only place that i had was the ewok village and and, and stuff like that so that brings us we're going to transition from the the interview part and i'm so glad you were kind enough to to share all that with our listeners to really get into the meat and potatoes of why i invited you on tonight is i wanted to get your perspective and your thoughts on the two most probably underrated under talked about undervalued movies in all of star wars history and they're the ewok adventures 
So just generally speaking, tell me about your experience with the very first one. Yeah, Caravan of Courage, right? Caravan um, of Courage. Yeah, I watched so I watched this the first time uh for the first time ever was right before we did that 40th anniversary Return of the Jedi uh conversation. Uh cuz you mentioned how you might bring them up, right? So I was like, "Oh, let me let me try to watch." And I only got done the first one at that point. But uh, I, I thought they were fun, right? But they were, uh, I have some ideas on how maybe we could still connect these to nowadays too, but <laughs> like the new canon if we wanted to. But I, I thought it was fun, but it was really kind of, I, I guess I didn't know going in what to really expect, right? I, I knew it starred like two kids and Wicket. Like I, I knew he was in it, but other than that, I had no clue on what these stories were about. And I was actually surprised at maybe how much it how much they actually kind of did in these for especially for like a TV movie at the time that I didn't think they would kind of go as in depth that they did with certain like models or effects and stuff that I don't know, just kind of surprised me. Um, you know, especially around that time, which was eighty four. Uh, 80, 1984 TV movie on ABC. What are the standards there? I don't know because I wasn't alive then, right? Like, <laughs> wait, I wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize for interrupting, but I really need to make sure I understand it right. So, this movie, this 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 ABC TV movie, mm -hmm. was around before you existed. I did, okay, I, did, I don't know if I really put those pieces together that 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 this movie is older than you are. Now I feel even older. But anyway, so okay, <laughs> I was so. born in I was born in 1991. Okay, so this right. predates me by seven years. Okay, um, so I know what like 90 TV movies were like, you know, but like I didn't know what to really expect for 1984 when you're looking at a, a TV film based on Star Wars and how high concept they can go. Because like I remember when I was growing up and I was in high school, there were the rumors of was it star Wars underworld that they yep. were trying to develop. And I was really excited. It was supposed to like, they were trying to get it ready for 2009. And I was telling my mom, that's the year I graduate. Isn't that scary? And she's like, that's scary. That's the year you graduate. And now we're already 15 years past, <laughs> past that. <laughs> All right. But you know, it's, uh I was really looking forward to that. And, and I remember everybody thinking like, how are they going to do star Wars on a TV budget in 2009? Right. And you know, this is 1984. How are you doing it on a TV budget? Yes. It's only like 70 minutes or whatever, 84 minutes, but still I didn't really know what to expect. Cause for a while, these movies were kind of like buried, right? They were like on DVD, but they were not like George didn't promote these the way he did any of the other actual like six films or clone wars, because I don't really know. Right. Uh, I think well, before it, they were on DVD, I mean, let's, we got to go even further. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I was surprised to learn they actually did put them on DVD. Cause I know George was kind of weird about like the holiday special and how that's been buried. I th didn't know if he was trying to do the same with this at all. Yeah, I don't know if it was that extreme. I mean, I don't think I don't think George was ever ever quoted as saying he wanted to get a hammer and destroy all copies of it or anything like that. Um, but going back to what you were saying with the, the you know the budget, I mean, this in '84 this move this movie, which originally George had proposed um, just a like a half hour TV special, it wasn't even meant to be uh, a full on. Um, movie of the week or anything until ABC pushed him to do even more. And so he stretched it to that 84, 90 minute uh, mark because you got all the commercials and all that. And the budget at the time was roughly two or $3 million, you know, and just to kind of put it in perspective, the last season of friends, I think each of the actors, each of the main actors and actresses got a million dollars per episode, you know, and this, this whole movie, which was shot over the course of maybe eight or nine weeks, um, had a budget of two to $3 million. And they still, to your point, put a lot of special effects in for the time. I mean, there's a lot of the, the, the stop motion, you know, Harry Hausen kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Lots of matte paintings. They use the actual uh, Ewok costumes from 
Return of the Jedi, and then came up with a whole lot of other costumes along the way. Um, and on top of that, they even did a little bit of recycling. So um, do you remember the one scene in the movie where um, Mace, the the brother in the, in the movie, was kind of enticed to go visit a tree because there's a little creature in the tree? Mm-hmm. And then he put his hand in the tree and this monster had grabbed onto him? Yeah, yeah. Did that monster look at all familiar to you? Oh boy. Uh not not off the not off the top of my head. Was it uh one of the uh the only thing I could think of is like the the asteroid creature from the space slug. <laughs> the yeah. Space... Okay. That was exactly there it. So they so they recycled that 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 monster, which in the in the movie it was this ginormous thing, but for this made for TV special, it turned out to be, you know, small enough to fit into the, the, the trunk of a tree. It was to a attack. baby. Baby yeah. space slug. Yeah. <laughs> larva. It was space slug larva. They start off on the, the planet of, of or the moon of Endor before they you know transition to their their growth spurts in the asteroids. So let's let's look at some of the other the other folks who were involved in that magical movie from 1984. And I want to see if any of these names sound familiar to you. So George Lucas, you and I both know as the maker. Right. Um, how about John Cordy? Does that name ring a bell to you? Uh, a little bit. I can't probably pick them out of a, a lineup, but I do watch a lot of the you know special feature stuff. So that that name sounds familiar. Well, he was a, a friend of George's. They actually had done a, an animated movie together called Twice Upon a Time. And he was he was tapped to be the director of this movie, the, the, the Caravan of Courage. Um, how about let's see. The name Joe Johnston. Does that sound familiar to you? Yes. The Well, one, I know he worked with ILM, but also he's, you know, more recently has done Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, he directed that. Uh, he's directed quite a few films, uh, but yeah, he, he was, uh, you know, big in ILM. And and one of my favorite things on Disney Plus is actually the Light of Magic miniseries, too, that I think everybody, if you haven't seen it, should go watch because um it, it dives into a lot of these, a lot of these like creators of Star Wars, and um, Joe Johnston is uh, one of those that gets featured. Oh, yeah, yeah, Honey, was... I Shrunk the cre- Kids too. I forgot. Yeah, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> he was deeply involved in uh, the the concept design for Slave One, and and he and and Ralph McQuarrie uh, worked on things, some of the famous costumes like Boba Fett's costume and and stuff like that. And in fact. Joe Johnston is one of those folks who had worked for Island for a long time. And because of George's loyalty to him and his loyalty to George, at one point he was saying, you know what, I think I'm going to, you know, stop doing this film stuff and, 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 and do something else. And George said, how about you go to school? I'll, I'll still pay. Oh, that's right. Know, yes. I'll still pay half, half time salary for you go to school. And so he said, Joe Johnson, uh, you know, went to USC film school, the same place that, that George went and, and George paid for paid his tuition and, and went on to do many things beyond just working in um, Lucasfilm. He also did some writing. He was involved in, uh, I think it was uh, the, the, the Tebow adventures or something along those lines. So it was a, it was a, a, a children's book related to the Ewoks. Oh wow! So he was involved in some of that. I even think if my if my uh, memory serves me right, he and uh, Ben Burt also worked on some of the cartoons, specifically droids and 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 Ewoks. Not the not the Clone Wars so much or Rebels, but some of those early cartoons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how about the name John Berg? Does John Berg sound familiar to you? Yes, yes, he does. Uh, the name does, but I don't think I can. Uh, I don't think I can. I don't think I could tell you why, but yes, I, I know the name. Yeah, he's another one of those people who worked with George for a really long time. I mean, he was one of the um, the stop motion animators with with mm-hmm. Phil Tippett in A New Hope. He worked on one of the the early, um, I guess, ripoffs or spin. Not, yeah, I think ripoffs is a better word to, to describe it. Movies that were inspired by Star Wars. So he was one of the model sculptors for for Laser Blast. He worked on Empire Strike Back. He worked on Dragon Slayer. He even worked on, I want to make sure if I'm, I'm uh, quoting it properly. He worked on Revenge of the Sith, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Ghostbusters, and RoboCop 2. You know, so he's done a lot of stuff beyond, you know, just working on Ewok movies and, 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 and stuff like that. 
So these are just some of the, the wonderful people behind the scenes that brought these, these shows to life. And one of the cool parts about this, going back in time, so 1984, the year after Return of the Jedi, George uh, wanted to to keep Star Wars in the in the the public consciousness, so he was looking to to get involved in TV, and ABC said that we'll 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 do this if you make it longer, if you and we'll make it our our Sunday movie of the week, and so they they asked him to to make it a little bit longer, stretched it out a little bit, um, and I think it was aired November twenty fifth or something, um, in November uh, of 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 nineteen eighty four, a year after. Um, Return of the Jedi. And so what do you remember about the movie? What are some of the, the story beats that you remember or some of the, the pieces of it that, that just jump out of you like, this is magic? So story beat wise, I remember like, uh, you know, the, the two parents kind of go missing and it's up to, you know, Mason Sindel uh, to kind of go looking for them. They become friends with Wicket. Um, and they uh, they do meet up with the parents at the end as well, but they have like a creature that they have to kind of uh, defeat, you know, to, to get there, um, to get the parents back and all that kind of stuff. Those are like the main beats I remember. But the, the thing I remember the most is kind of getting more wicket who is you said you love the ewoks i i do like some ewoks i I like wicket a lot um in warwick davis and i got the chance to not meet him per se but at star wars weekends he did like a show where he kind of talks about his life and his career and it was really cool you know seeing him uh that was in 2015 talk about that and then just knowing he has played a role in so many of these Star Wars productions uh, and how much the role means to him and stuff uh, really makes me, you know, happy to see that he kind of got more stuff to do than just return of the Jedi, uh, you know, at, at that point for, uh, for wicket. Yeah. And if you go back in history for him, he was, he was 11 when, when he was in return of the Jedi as an Ewok and then to get to do this movie afterwards. And it was also where George kind of, you know, saw his his skill as a performer, as an actor, and he he kept him in his George kept him in his thoughts and or his sights. And Warwick Davis ended up becoming a title character for one of the the later Lucasfilm movies, and that was Willow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we can kind of see the 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 seeds or the skeleton of of Willow in this movie. And one of the pieces that 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 is most powerful, and I use that word on purpose, is is magic. I mean, this this particular movie, this home movie, which showed up on our television screens in, in our living rooms, had a lot of magic in it. Each of the each of the the members of the caravan got different talismans that had certain properties, and each one of those talismans played a specific role throughout that quest to go, you know, rescue mom and dad. Um, and just to to kind of rekindle your memory a little bit, the the name of that giant creature was the Gorax. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. oddly enough, funnily enough, or silly enough, that was played by John Berg, that guy that I was talking <laughs> about earlier. You know, so this guy who was involved in in so many Lucasfilm things was was able to 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 put on the the the, the big giant suit, or not the big giant suit, but the suit, and play the Gorax in in this movie. Yeah, that always reminds me of the Lorax every time I hear Gorax. <laughs> yeah, he speaks for the trees because they have no yes. tongues. <laughs> exactly. And one of the things that I truly enjoy about this particular movie, so as a kid, not only did I like Star Wars, I also liked other fantasy type stuff. So whether it was The Wrinkle in Time or um, The Lord of the Rings and, and so on, you know, you can see nuggets of those those kind of fantastic movies in this one so instead of spending a lot more time talking about space battles and 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 ships and everything george made it a a more grounded a grounded movie uh, focusing on kids you know with a whole lot of magic involved 
And one of the other the other neat things about this, you know, George Lucas liked to push boundaries. He pushed the boundaries with A New Hope. He pushed the boundaries even more with Empire Strikes Back and really, really pushed the boundaries with Return of the Jedi. And he didn't stop there. This was, from what I understand, this was the first TV movie that was um, produced and displayed in stereo. And so oh. at the at the time that it came out, they actually encouraged they encouraged viewers to turn the volume off on their television and play it through their local radios. The, the you know, radio stations around the country would play the mu- the movie at the same time, so you could get that stereo effect. Because you know, way back in 1984, folks did not a lot of folks had you know stereo systems hooked to their television. So even back then, George was was pushing boundaries, and this was was uh, recorded in in, in Dolby. So you could listen to it in stereo in your own living room instead of that little mono speaker on on your you know 14 inch television that you got sitting you know on the on the the stand there. Wow, that's that's crazy. I didn't even know that. That's pretty that's pretty interesting. It's not even something that like you know you really have to kind of know your stuff, right? Because just looking at the Wikipedia page for it, it doesn't even mention that kind of stuff on here. So just the fact that, uh, you know, it, there's so much more than what you can learn about this, then people don't even probably know because, I mean, where would you even learn about the history of this type of program? Like, was there books for this like there is for making Star Wars or how would you find like most great behind the scenes stuff about any of these Ewok films? So I found uh, some of it in um, some of the other books. So they didn't, unfortunately mm-hmm. they didn't have an art of, you know, caravan right, of right. courage or anything along those lines. Um, but I've, um, I can't remember if it was the making of, or maybe I think it might've been cinema by the sea. I'll have to go back and, and, and look at my notes um, because oftentimes it's these little nuggets that are that are tucked into other things. You know, George was involved in in so much innovation and creativity that it's it's I think it's challenging to capture it in a in a single place. You know, so I'll go back and um, find out where where I where I learned that little bit and I'll I'll make sure I share it with you and I'll I'll put it in our show notes so other folks can know where to go to for that information. And this was not the only Ewok movie that they had in mind. You know, so when when George was talking with ABC, he wanted they they wanted more of this, and this was a, actually a, a pretty successful one. I think I think the, the number is like sixty five million viewers. Whoa! You know, um, watched this show. This once again, this thing that was piped into your living room, and so they wanted another one. And so in nineteen eighty five, the next movie in the Ewok Adventures came out. Um, and so, want to tell us what your thoughts are on on that that second entry into the Ewok world? Yeah, I think I like this one a lot more than the first one. The um, Battle Friendo more than yeah. Caravan of Courage? Yeah, it took me by, we talked about it a little bit beforehand, but it took me a little by surprise because, all right, so the whole point of the first movie, right, is Mace and S- Sindel finding their parents. And then they're about to go home on Battle for Endor and, you know, they're all soaking in the sun on, on Endor as they're trying to fix the ship. And saying bye to wicket and then out of nowhere these bad guys come and just absolutely destroy sindel's parents <laughs> and then also kills her brother mace and i was like what this is crazy i did not expect that at all again i guess that's a plus for me never experiencing these before or never like reading up on the plot but i was really taken aback and i was like oh i don't know if i like that but when you get to her relationship with Wilford Brimley's character and Wicket, I think that the story got more interesting. Uh, and probably I think that was something that made me like this movie more was, well, especially Wilford Brimley. Like I, I, I like him. <laughs> he was cool. Um, great to see him in, in this role. And he, you know, his kind of like grumpy demeanor, right? As he is in everything. Of, yeah, but kind of like resisting, you know, Sindel and and uh 
and and Wicket and how he kind of gets broken down over time to actually care about them and you know his friend that lives with them the the one alien teak. I can't remember yeah teak there you go <laughs> and I don't know I thought there was some cool history with him being like stranded there that he had landed there and was stuck there for a while and that was kind of the thing that I was like all right if I'm writing this in today's canon is he like an old clone war survivor that has landed on Endor you know like is he from the Republic era and he doesn't even know what has happened with the Empire at all like that stuff was running through my head, even though that wasn't what was originally intended. But I think there's ways to ki- still kind of fit this into today's world if we wanted to, today's universe, and kind of be like, okay, what ship was he on? What? Why was he crashed here? Um, you know, if we were going to kind of like retcon it to fit today's uh, canon. So that was on my mind a lot during it. So while it, it had a rocky start, a start for me with with killing off the whole family but i think the heart of the movie made up for it and i felt like there was more of that in this one than the previous and i think the villains captured me more than like the gorax in in this one too okay i probably should have said at the beginning you know spoiler warning for the folks who haven't watched these things that have been around for, (laughs) for for as long as they have um and you know you mentioned uh, you mentioned Sindel, and she was she was played by an actress uh, named Aubrey Miller. And what may, folks may not realize about her, when she was in the original movie, she was four years old. So let me say that again: she was four years old. So this this young this young lady couldn't even read. So what they would do off off camera is read her lines to her, and she would repeat them on camera. You know, and her brother, Mace, who, interestingly enough, was named after one of the the original characters in George's original screenplay for uh, story treatment for Star Wars. He had a character named Mace Windy, um, and he used that that first name for her brother. He was played, um, I want to make sure I get his 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 name right, Paul Walker, not Paul Walker. Um, that's the other, Eric Walker. Paul Walker was fast and the furious. This guy was neither fast nor furious. I was going to uh, say that would be pretty interesting if it was Paul Walker. It's like, <laughs> go back and watch the Ewok films knowing that would be crazy. Yeah. So it was Eric Walker. So he reprised his role as the, as the big brother and two reasons why George got rid of the family at the beginning. Number one, he was um, making these movies for his daughter. His daughter loved the Ewoks, and he wanted, as he has done for his other movies up until this point, wanted to teach lessons. And one of the lessons he wanted to teach his daughter was about death. And so he killed off the entire family at the beginning, like every other Disney movie that we watch, whether it's Finding Nemo or Bambi, you know, family's got to go so that kids can grow up. And this movie, if I'm going to encourage you to, to watch this movie again through a different lens, this movie was a space version of Heidi. Mm. You know, that, that movie that, that came out ages ago with uh, um, Shirley Temple as the, the lead role. And there's a mm-hmm. you know, story before that. But this was meant to be George Lucas's version of Heidi. And one of the, the other fun parts about this um, is in the first Ewok movie, the Ewok spoke Ewok. And in this one, they got to learn a little bit of basic. You know, yeah, so. I noticed that. Uh Wicket would be <laughs> saying some uh you know, some some basic, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess he does picked up a few words yeah. on that. Which planted the seeds for the cartoon because in the cartoon they 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 all spoke, I think pretty much all of the characters mm-hmm. spoke spoke basic in that one. And th- another interesting difference between the two is the beginning of this one. If my memory serves me right, wasn't there a narrator? Uh, no, the f- first one had first a narrator one had... with uh, Burl Ives. That's right. That's right. The first one, as your yeah, the holiday guy, you know, from Frosty the Snowman, Burl Ives. That's right. I forgot about that. And that's that's also what makes uh, Wicket's um, English, you know, jump out more as they're you know holding hands, walking mm-hmm. through the you know through the sunshine, saying you know goodbye, not good, that kind of thing. Wow. And you mentioned the Marauders. Who else came along the uh, along the way with the Marauders to help um, get rid of Sindel's family? 
Yes, it was a uh, it was like a a witch, right? Uh, her name was was it Char Charal or? Yep, and not just a witch, but a night sister. She was a witch of Dathomir. Yes, yes. So yeah, this is one of those things again that like when you get that, you can again kind of fit it into today's canon of like, oh okay. A night sister, right? Uh, that's that's pretty crazy. And she had a special skill set. I mean, she could she could transform into in you know into a bird. So yes. it wasn't just you know using the the force to see into the future or to control people. She could use it to 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 change shape, um, which was which is a, an interesting take on the use of magic. And I think that's one of the 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 fun parts about both of these movies is they they brought in a different style of using the force so it wasn't just about you know wizards or um you know cyborg humans that could control the force but also you know witches and 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 so on so magic has has shown up at various places throughout uh, the star wars timeline from from star wars rebels with the witches of dathomir and 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 things like that even into um one of the more recent shows that's on disney plus so yeah. What else? What else showed up in this movie that uh, Dave Filoni has has brought back into the Star Wars universe for us to enjoy? Yes, the the blurgs, right? Yep, those stop motion blurgs. That was the first time that you you saw them on screen. Those like yeah. uh, throwback to Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, that was something that uh, I had always heard. Like when I watched Mandalorian and they brought him in, people were like, "Oh, it's the blurgs from the Ewok films," and I hadn't seen that. Right, so then this time I watched it, and I was like. Totally forgot about that. And then I saw them and I was like, that's right. They they appeared here first. That's pretty cool. And one of the things that I think is fantastic about this movie in particular, you know, you'd mentioned earlier the, the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And this was a play on that. It was a, a different a different vantage point. And it's the heroine's journey. So it's slightly different than the hero's journey, but similar ideas. You know, the the heroine has to, you know, meet up with people along the way who help her on her quest and and, and so on. And that's that's come up in 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 other in other things uh, throughout Star Wars history. You know, these little adventures that people have to go on that develop skills and and grow. Um, either grow in confidence or grow in their relationships or overcome adversity, which I think. You know, each one of us, as we grow from from childhood to teenage dumb to middle middle adults to to beyond, are on this continuous journey of of learning and coming into contact with folks who either help us or or cause more stress and chaos, and we have to figure out ways of of successfully dealing with them. Yeah, no, it was interesting the journey that they made uh, Sindel go through on this. Uh, like I said, I was just really shocked that, you know, one, they had Paul Gleason as the dad in, in this one. And I know him from the the breakfast club as the <laughs> principal. And he's, you know, he's in it. I'm like, oh, they got him. This must be a pretty big role for him. <laughs> and then they kill him off. And I was like, oh, geez. Um, pretty big afternoon for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He went out there for like 30 minutes film. So that was you know, just seeing the journey they gave her on this story, I guess it makes sense when you think about, like you said, what George was wanting to do with it, but also just kind of where do you take the story if they're all there, right? If if the whole family's there, where do you take the story? Where's the hurdles that these characters have to go to? And she always felt like the main character anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's like, what could you do if her whole family is there? you know what they get captured again then you're like we just did this with the the first one so you know adding more stakes to it where you can think like i was actually starting to think okay they might kill off wilford brimley right like if they could kill off her whole family they might kill off him you know uh in this story before she's even done you know uh with the with her journey but yeah overall i thought this one was I wouldn't say like a huge improvement, but it was a big improvement for me uh, on this one. And I think this is probably the one I would revisit more if I, you know, down the line want to revisit one of the Ewok films. 
Well, that's pretty interesting to 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 hear, because um, I don't I usually don't you don't usually get that when I encourage folks to 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 watch it. Yeah, I think I've, I'm think I'm good with just the one viewing. I'm not sure if I'll have to so return. Is this, so, like, I don't know, like the general consensus on this and stuff, but like, is there one that is more popular between these two, or is well, it like? Well, if we look at it from a, a, a TV perspective, historically speaking, the first one was more successful than the second. You know, so there were fewer vis- fewer viewers. But that makes sense too, because if you watch like the first one and you don't like it, then you're probably not going to watch this the next one. Yeah, which unfortunately led to them canceling the third. There was, there was there was meant to be a trilogy of Ewok adventures, and because of the uh, the viewership on the second movie, they decided not to do the third one. And it would be interesting to see like where would where would the movie go from here. You know, so we saw Sindel and her brother in the first, and then her and 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 Wilford going off into space after leaving Endor. So yeah. where could they have gone? Like, would they have followed her life, especially a um, cost-effective way? Right? Like, yeah. like Ewok makes like Endor makes sense because they can just go to the California redwoods, right? And and film, and it probably isn't as expensive of like. You know where where would they go then? Like they go back to Tat, like she lands on Tatooine, and they can go to the you know the <laughs> desert again, or like yeah, because their sp- their their ship crashed on the uh, on the way right, somewhere, right? Or like yeah, where would where would they go together, right? Because uh, you're probably not pulling off Coruscant in 1986 or something. So yeah. it, it is pretty interesting on like if there was going to be a third one, what do you do? And then how is it still an Ewoks adventure, right? If they're not like you know there's many different questions i would have about where they could take it and you know if if i had a chance to go through the 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 vault at skywalker ranch you know what as silly as this sounds and if any of you are listening to the show you know i'm good at silly one of the things that i would want to find out is is there stuff in the vault about what could have been that third movie you know story treatment outlines audio recordings of of the maker and some of the other people sitting in a hotel room just gabbing about this is what we're going to do you know that's that to me is gold that's the kind of stuff that that needs to get put on on the internet or on disney plus or whatever give us that that unreleased information about the 30 walk adventure you know because the the cartoon as wild and wacky as it was was definitely not a that was not the next step because there was no no mention or reference yeah. to to Sindel or Mace or any of them. So. Or would they have done just a whole new story on on Endor again without those two characters, right? Yeah. Like, hard, yeah, maybe maybe the, the Ewoks decide to storm the castle and they now live in the <laughs> castle that yeah. we didn't get to see in the first movie, or you know, what did, do they do they figure out the technology and, and hail a, a a star cruiser to come and pick them up and mm-hmm, take them somewhere? Mm-hmm. You know, hard to say. Here's another little nugget that a lot of folks may not know about the first movie. So, yes, these movies were released on television, 1984, 1985. Um, The first one also had theatrical releases. So in in France, Australia, and a handful of other countries, just like the, the Clone Wars movie in 2008, these showed up in the theater. So this is actually a, a theatrical movie that doesn't get talked about as such. It's mostly known, you know, as being a TV special. And to make it even more exciting, in France there was a a, a musician named Dorothea who actually um, filmed or not yet. Yeah, she she recorded music for the end credits, and the 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 music the the song is called Le Petit Ewok. And not only did she record that music for that theatrical release, she played it in concerts and still plays wow. it in concerts. And so um, I'm going to put a put a link in the show notes for folks to go out to to YouTube and, and listen to this. And after we get done recording, Jordan, I want you to stay on so you can yeah. can, can get a get a a, a a glimpse of that that music. So this it, both of these movies have special places in my hearts or heart. Not that I have more than one, but in my heart singular <laughs> um, for, for, for a bunch of different reasons. So I'm so glad you, you, you took the time to, to, to watch them and, you know, found little bits to, to enjoy out of all of them. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you had brought it up 
originally when we were going to talk the 40th and then that you, you brought this up again here because it kind of made me do the dive, right? Like um, these are things that I've had, like what I would say on my list, right? Like things I want to watch to just say, oh, I've experienced those things. And after I watched the first one back in April, I was kind of I kind of left it at like, yeah, it was it was fine. Right. Like I may not revisit that one. But this one, I, I did enjoy the second one a lot more that it could be, you know, um, like I said before, something I, I might revisit later or, you know, if I were to revisit, this would probably be the one I'd revisit more often. And I can say that way back then, I never I never truly thought that we would get more star wars on on television i mean yes we got the cartoons and stuff shortly afterwards but i didn't think we would ever get you know more live action star wars stuff especially after um um that second uh the second movie you know the battle for endor i thought they said "Eh, we've had enough star wars on television but george kept pushing the envelope and doing other things so went on and did like the young indiana jones chronicles and and so on and now we're at a place where we have disney plus and can watch live action star wars you know on a on a little mobile device on a a subway every Every week week right now and have it have it just continue to get pumped out and to the to the tune of you know much bigger budgets than than what these small movies um got in fact um i think the first movie caravan of courage i think it was recorded over the span of of maybe two months you know so they took two months to to do that and now we're getting these these incredible shows that have you know multiple episodes to the point where you put them all together and you've got you know the equivalent of two or three movies yeah so it's it, what's that, that phrase you've come a long way baby i mean <laughs> yeah you know i'm so glad that that george and the team continued with it and 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 grew and developed and grew and developed and grew and developed well, to, yeah, to this like... place now like I mentioned before, I was really looking forward to Underworld, right? And I would like look up news about it, and they had a showrunner, right? Ronald Moore, right, who did Battlestar, was going to do something with this, and he wrote episodes at least, and it was like it felt real. And then when that fell through, you're kind of, or you know, you didn't hear about anything anymore. You're like, well, I guess that's done, and you start thinking. At that point, for me, I was like, okay, maybe we're not getting a TV show. And for me, I wasn't really thinking like budget would be impossible because there, you know, Star Trek was on all the time doing that Babylon five and, you know, all those type of shows that would have a Stargate, right. That have creatures and space shows. And while they don't have the budget to make it look cinematic, I thought maybe we'd get at least a passable Star Wars show like that, you know, um, something that takes place mostly on the ship that they can <laughs> reuse the set every week. Uh, I thought we'd see, they need get... a bridge. They need a yeah. cantina. They need an engine room. Yeah. And, and you could do that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm surprised we never got something like that, but, and that's what I also think. Like anytime people are complaining about how the volume looks on these Disney plus shows, I'm like, all right, go back and watch like the 1990s, <laughs> you know, Star Trek, Stargate, Babylon five, Farscape, Farscape, you know, those, those, uh, they, 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 you could tell they were on sets, right? Like you're not blown away by the effects there, but so at that point I thought it was kind of dead. And then we get the sale to Disney and still at that point, you're not thinking, TVs around the corner. Uh, the most you're probably thinking is, oh, what Disney had to deal with Netflix until like 20, you know, and they were making the Marvel shows. And you're thinking, oh, maybe, maybe they'll do a Star Wars Netflix show. But thank God we didn't get that because then it probably would have been tied up with rights and wouldn't be. <laughs> It's so much better that they just waited until they had Disney Plus and they were able to start making some shows. And I go back to the Underworld. I, I from what I, the rumor I remember is that they had something like fifty or sixty, fifty or sixty, you know, episodes scripts. worth of scripts. Yeah, you know, so 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 there was a lot of work that was done for this. Um, and I wonder. That's what I would ask about. You're talking about the vault for the Ewok third film. I'm like, can I see all 50 hours of the scripts for <laughs> Underworld, please? 
Oh, and while I'm reading through those, please show me Star Wars Concept detours. <laughs> oh, detours! Yes. Did you watch the episode that leaked? No, you I only didn't saw see that. I only saw that they were. It was like a, a series of trailers or something like that. I didn't see a full episode. Oh, I'll see if I can still find it. It had Weird Al in it. I'll send you the. I'll see if I can send you the link if it's still up. Okay. But somebody leaked it that worked on it because okay. I, I think it was Weird Al, honestly. But uh, somebody wanted to kind of put out there like, hey, I was in this show. And um, it was like a full 11 minute episode of Detours because they were supposed to be like two 11 minute shows or whatever. And I watched the full thing. It was it was pretty good, honestly. Yeah, because uh, that, that stuff was supposed to come out before The Force Awakens, I remember. Yes. And then when the whole sale to Disney, they said, yeah, we're not going to, you know, put out things that are in conflict with each other. We don't we want folks to take Star Wars seriously. We don't Which want is them. lame because <laughs> Star Wars weekends, they used to have like Donald dress up as a stormtrooper and Vader as like Darth Vader and Mickey as Luke. Well, well even even um, was and then it they stopped doing that. It was who are the two main MCs, Snicks and Oopla or something like that? Um, tick, they they had two main MCs and they would they would mock the Emperor. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. And and it was it was brilliant. I mean, I I remember watching you know one of the performances where 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 Chewbacca came out in a big rainbow colored afro and was was dancing to to LF, LMFAO or something like that. <laughs> you know, so the whole Star Wars weekend thing was a a, a, a a mashup parody. You know, just fun with Star Wars. And I think it's a little hypocritical that they were okay with it when it wasn't their property. And then once they bought it, they're like, never mind, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a bummer. But like, yeah. I wish they would just been like, hey, we have Disney Plus now. Here's detours. Like, put it in the um, the non-canon section they have, right? Yeah. I mean, people will understand it's not canon. It looks totally different. Yeah. <laughs> and and between you, me, and the wall, who who really really cares about canon anyway? I mean, none yeah. of it, none of it's real. I mean, it was real made. I mean, people actually worked on it. Um, but it was it. It's just all fun. It's all exciting. It's all creative. It's right. all you know boundary pushing in 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 many different ways and on many different levels. And way back when, when. You know, George and Joe and Phil Tippett and Ralph McQuarrie and Colin Cantwell and all of those, you know, those wild rebels were working in these these sweaty boxes of places. They just wanted to have fun making stories that may or may not have some lessons in there for adults and kids alike. So. Well, thank you so much, Jordan, for 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 joining me on this episode of uh, the rambling Star Wars. If, if you'd be kind enough. um spend a couple minutes telling everyone who's listening to this show where they can find you when you're not, you know, rambling on here with me. Oh yeah. So, uh, if you want to listen to any of my podcasts, I have, like I said before, a star Wars podcast pot awakens. Um, I also have a Marvel podcast called to the infinity saga and beyond, uh, where I talk usually the MCU shows that are dropping on Disney plus. So I'm getting ready to cover Loki later this week. Um, I also have a DC Comics podcast called Elseworlds, and uh, I also just started a new podcast with my friend uh, Casey, and it's called Films for the Very First Time. And uh, we noticed that there is a big gap in stuff that I haven't seen and the gaps he hasn't seen. So, like, I'd never seen Pulp Fiction. So he, we sat down, I watched Pulp Fiction, and then we talked about it. And then I, the next week, pick a movie he's never seen. And then we kind of do that on and off each each week. So that's uh, most of my work right now. So I've been, you know, d doing a whole bunch of podcasting. And this week actually is a very busy podcasting week for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you need a do you need a couple uh, movie suggestions for that 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 show? Sure. Yeah. What ones? Uh, the Ewok I, ones? <laughs> <laughs> we've watched those, but have you? Have either one of you watched Twice Upon a Time? No, I haven't. No. Okay, so that's one that you might want to um, put on your list. And then there was a movie that recently came out by by Phil Tippett, um, The Eye of the Gods. I think I'll, I'll make sure I get the the proper name. Phil, I know you're listening. I apologize for <laughs> for messing up the title, but that's a that's another one that was kind of a passion project of Phil's, um, and he just put it out within the last year or two. 
Um, and that one, I've, I've watched bits of it. I haven't watched the whole thing. Um, it's, it's wild. It's, 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 it's definitely out there. So those two movies, I would definitely encourage you to put on your list. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's what is mad God. The, the ones that, that we, the ones that we've done so far, uh, just to like, uh, we've, we're recording like maybe seven ahead. Okay. So we're, we're kind of like really far advanced, but we just released the Pulp Fiction episode on our first week. And then, uh, he had never seen Airplane, the 1980 comedy. So we watched With Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had never seen it, even though he's a huge like Naked Gun fan and stuff. So we we were, you know, we 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 watched it, then we talked about it, and then we did. Uh, I had never seen. I had never seen the Goonies, so we watched that. Uh, he had never seen Rogue One. There you go. So that's that's an episode coming out soon. We talked Rogue One, and then he's never seen like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which is what we're currently recording about. And I've never seen uh, the first three Terminator movies. So we were talking about those too. Hmm. Sounds like a very fun show. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And then we rate that, you know, we rate what we thought it was after, um, after we watch. So, uh, it's, it's been a fun, fun adventure. And it's kind of like how this works, right. Where you're having me, watch these Ewok films that I never really seen before. It's like they were on my list, right? Well, a lot of these movies that we're talking about were on my list that I never got around to. So now it's like actually forcing me to, to go and actually watch some of these movies that yeah, I've So this really in. was, this really wasn't uh, an intervention. This was, this was a homework assignment. So this is, yes, yeah. thank you for coming to class today. And now, <laughs> you know, this is the stuff you have to get done over your spring break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, you know, just finally able to sit down and watch some of these classics that, you know, people it's the same way that like if somebody tells you they've never seen Star Wars, right? And you're like, what? That's how some people react when I say like I haven't seen Terminator or or Pulp Fiction. You know, they're like, what? And then I, you know, have to explain why. And we also kind of dive into that in the show too, like what kept you away from it or you know, where were you when it released? Like for some of these movies, it was before I was born or it's a rated R movie that came out when I'm five. So, you know, some of that stuff is like, that's why I missed it, you know? Uh, And then other times it's like, maybe it wasn't going to be something I thought I would like, you know? And we kind of dive into those reasons. Well, I'm so glad that you were willing to dive into these two movies with me. You know, they're, they're ones that I've enjoyed for a really, really long time. And I'm, I'm glad that you got um, some excitement, some enjoyment out of it. And even, you know, spending some time talking with me, getting some of those, those nuggets of the behind the scenes stuff from, from George Lucas's creativity and, and collaboration with some of these people like John Cordy and Joe Johnston and, and, and so on. So on behalf of all of our listeners, I want to thank you for joining uh, the rambling Star Wars fan and may the force be with you always.